Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. On another occasion, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. We do this every week. We read an amazing passage of Scripture every week, and this is no exception. What an interesting, simple, and engaging story that Jesus tells here. And it's full of things that are crucial for us to know. And the first thing I want to say to you is, don't go through life learning all there is to learn. And there's a lot, I can tell you as an old man, there's a lot to learn. I keep finding out things and making notes and losing my notes because there's just so many interesting and amazing things to learn. But it would be a tragedy to go through life learning all the Amazing things that are to learn and not have a clue what Jesus was talking about here. There may be things that you won't want to hear, at least one, I'm guessing, that you, perhaps like me, may wish that Jesus hadn't said it and it wasn't true, but he did say it and it is, so we need to know and think about it. But it also presents us with this passage and the teaching here presents us with possibilities beyond anything on offer in the world. 
Now, that sounds like a sort of a churchy thing to say, doesn't it? But it does. It presents us with things on offer um, more than anything in the world. Marilyn and I went to the cinema the other week, first time for ages and ages and ages. Me being me insisted on being there when the time said. I knew what was going to happen, but I can't help it. I had to be there. In fact, we were there 10 minutes early. The place was dark. We went in. Nobody was around. We sat there. About 40 minutes later, I was wishing that I'd been late. I, w- I would have found it really difficult because for half an hour when it started, We were bombarded. Now, I must confess I was feeling a little emotional that day anyway, but I found it overpowering. I was almost gripping my seat. The noise, the colours, this was just the adverts, yeah? (laughs) Half an hour of things being thrown at me. There were cars, there were boats, there were holidays, there were countries, there were people. It was just like... Whoa, you know, all these amazing things on offer. I want to tell you what's in here. None of that is a patch. Not a patch, yeah, on what's in here. It's not going to be presented quite as well as they presented that. I don't feel that listening to me, you're going to be gripping your seat. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe you're not going to be as overwhelmed as I was. I was. It was just too much for me. But... There are things in here. We better get on with it, we? We better get to them. Okay. And what's more, you feature in this parable. You are in here. I'm in here. Every single one of us, without exception, we come into one of the categories in this parable. So we need to know what it's about. Why did Jesus use parables? Well, people tell us they were earthly stories with heavenly meanings, perhaps To say an earthly story with a spiritual meaning is better because they're not just about heaven, they're about life here and now and the impact of spiritual things on life here and now. There's an easy answer, there's a difficult answer to why Jesus used parables. Uh, People tell us, commentators tell us that um, this is the easy answer. It divides into two, it's like two sides of the same coin really. The easy answer is... He used them at times to conceal his meaning from those who came to oppose him. Some people came to listen to him just to report back so so they could get him in trouble. So if they came and listened to him and went back and said, and people who sent and said, what was he talking about? They'll say, it was about like farmers and fishing and the weather and things like that. You know, not much there to accuse him of. So that was one reason. Another reason was that these stories, these parables carry truth with them And as you listen, they kind of disarm you. They kind of engage you. They kind of, before you know it, you're in there and you're thinking about important and crucial things if if you're somebody who wants to know. So that's the easy answer to why Jesus used parables. The difficult answer is the answer that Jesus gave. In verse 12, he says, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that... And then he quotes from Isaiah. They may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Someone has used this as an explanation of why Jesus used parables. They were an expression of judgment to confirm and intensify the rebellious nature of some people's hearts. 
So they were used as an expression of judgment to confirm and intensify the rebellious nature of some people's hearts. Now, this isn't talking about people that really want to believe in God and they're being excluded and shut out. It's talking about people whose hearts are already hard, closed, and rebellious. They don't want to know. They are not going to listen. They are not going to be convinced. And this says that there are occasions when God says, you can have what you've decided you want. I will leave you where you are. I can't think of anything worse. I can't think... Some people worry that maybe their sickness, maybe their financial troubles, maybe their family problems are God punishing them in some way. I can't imagine anything worse than God saying to me, Arthur, I'm going to leave you to go where you want to go, do what you want to do, think what you want to think. I'm going to leave you to yourself. Can't think of anything worse than that. Now, we always stress, and the Bible stresses, that anybody who believes, anybody who repents can come and find acceptance. And that is absolutely true. But it's also true that it's possible to reach a point where God says, you're on your own. We might not like the idea, but it's true. And it shows the seriousness of what we believe and what we're involved in. The thing is, the only ones likely to be affected by that, the only ones likely to be troubled by that, are the ones it doesn't apply to. That's the truth. If you're worried about that, then it's not about you. Because... Only people listening to me uh, who don't care are going to say, so what? Yeah, so that's the way it is. Why parables about seeds? That's why Jesus used parables. Why parables about seeds? In this chapter, there are three parables about seeds, all of which are about the kingdom of God. Jesus' teaching focused on the kingdom of God. And in one sense, that wasn't new. The idea of the kingdom of God coming was not new. Many believed that the kingdom was coming one day. But they saw it as in the future, and they saw it as a dramatic, powerful event. Yeah? So the view of the people at this time, the people that were listening to Jesus was, yeah, we know about the kingdom. We know it's coming one day in the distant future, and it's going to be incredible when it comes. God is going to come and break in in power. His enemies are going to be overcome. His people are going to be set free. His rule is going to come on the world. Everything's going to be put right. We know that's going to happen. And this wasn't something that they just made up. This is something that you can read in the Old Testament. There are prophecies that speak of the kingdom in this way. So uh, that's why they expected it, and that's why they were looking for it. Among those who believed this, there was disagreement about how to perhaps hasten that day, how to bring that day forward. The Pharisees believed, if we all keep the rules, that will bring the kingdom of God. And Ian spoke to us about this a few weeks ago. Their view was, keep the rules. In fact, they said, we'll make up lots of extra rules that will help, that will help protect God's rules. So they made up all these extra rules. And they said, if we just keep the rules, the kingdom will come. There were others who said, God has stopped working. God has just left this place. It's so evil. It's so bad. It's hopeless. There's no, there's no hope for anything happening now. So this future kingdom is coming, but at the moment, it's a waste of time. The best we can do is just separate ourselves. So you had the Pharisees who said, let's work. Let's keep the rules. God's kingdom will come. You had the others who said, no, we're out of here. We're giving up. 
We're going to separate into little communities and just wait for it to happen. So they had different ideas of how to bring it, but they all saw it as future, as dramatic, as powerful. Unmistakable, overpowering move of God. No one was ready. No one expected what Jesus announced in his teaching about the kingdom of God. Imagine, yeah, we were all expecting, yeah, there's a kingdom, but it's in the future. And it's going to come in massive power. God's just going to break in and put everything right. And then Jesus arrives and says, it's here. It's now. It's arrived now. But it's hidden. It's secret. And it's working like seed. It has to be willingly accepted. It can be resisted. It can be rejected. But amongst those where it's accepted, it produces fruit. And it produces change. Yes, there is going to be a coming of the kingdom at the end of the age, but it's here right now in his person and in his word. That's why he said at the end of this story, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said, get hold of this. Realize it's here. Yeah? They saw the age now, sin, death, sorrow, rebellion, that age, and they said the kingdom is coming. When that age ends, the kingdom of God will come. Jesus said the kingdom of God is coming in overwhelming power at the end, but it's here now. It's invading the old age. Yeah, It's coming in the middle of the old age. That's why society seems to be the same. Things seem to go on without much difference at all. But it's here. The kingdom is here. For those who can hear, for those who can see, the kingdom has come and we can be part of it. So that's why parables about seeds. So we have this particular parable that Jesus told of the farmer scattering his seed and the different effects that it had. And we don't need to struggle to understand it because Jesus gives us the explanation. He tells us that the seed is the word. So we've got, we've got an understanding. We know it's about the kingdom of God. We know the seed is the word. We know what the word is because uh, chapter 1, verse 14 tells us Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus was saying the time for God's promised intervention is here and now, not some future date, it's here, it's happening now. He's working now, he's fulfilling his promises now. He's doing what he said he would do right now. And the way to be part of it is not to keep the rules as much as you can and hope. The way to be part of it is not to separate and hide away for some coming day. The way is to have your eyes opened, your ears opened, to hear this message, to repent, to believe, and to get involved because the kingdom is here now. So we have the path, uh, the rocky places, the thorns, and the good soil where the seed landed. And Jesus explains that those things represent people who hear the word. That's like us, yeah? They represent us, the people who hear the word. We're being asked to think about what is the state of my soul 
whatever you want to call it, my heart, my inner being, what's going on in my mind as I hear this word about the kingdom. This is crucial because it determines the outcome. Yeah. Now, we worry about the seats, don't we? We've got enough seats. Is everybody going to be comfortable? Is it warm enough? Or is it too hot? What's, what's the music like? What's the preacher like? Is he any good? Because if he's not, what's, you know, what's going to go? The, govern, the thing that governs the outcome is the state of my heart. It's what condition I'm in when I hear the word. Yeah? The path represents a hardened heart. Some seed falls on the path. The path has been trodden on. Over and over again, people have walked along the path. The seed falls on the path. Um, and it doesn't penetrate. Can't find any access. This is a description of, of what life can do to the human heart. What life can do to our hearts by disappointment, by the hurt that we've experienced, the unacknowledged mistakes that we've made, the rejection that we've felt and the rejection that we've given to God, the unbelief, all of these things press down, harden our hearts. So we hear the word and it doesn't even penetrate. And then Satan, represented by the bird, spiritual powers, spiritual forces, are able to snatch away the message. Even as I am speaking, it's gone because our hearts are so hardened by what life has done to us. And there are spiritual forces just waiting for the opportunity to snatch away and to prevent any effective hearing of God's word. It's possible, friends, it's possible to sit here week after week as God's word is brought and for it never to scratch the surface. That's possible. The rocky places. So there was some seed fell on uh, where there was some soil, not on the path, there was some soil with loads of stones and rocks and things. So there wasn't much soil at all there. And the, the, the seed couldn't grow strong roots and grow. It's possible to hear the word and immediately respond with no real thought about the implications. There are aspects of this message which are amazing. We talk about love, we talk about forgiveness, we talk about acceptance, we talk about joy. And these things can be electrifying when you hear about them and you, you, you think, you know, these folks are talking about this stuff as if it's real and, and people can be amazed by it and interested and gripped by it. And then there's all that goes on, the community, the friendship, the sense of purpose that we have, the idea of just belonging. This can be overwhelming, it can be so attractive. And we can say, yeah, I'm in this. This is what I want without stopping to think what's really being said, what the implications really are, what is really on offer. It's possible to be passionate and fervent and then gone. That's possible. We're meant to think deeply. Jesus talked about counting the cost. Yeah, He didn't, he didn't go out of his way to gather Crowds and crowds of followers, he, he said to people, think about it. You know, if, if a king's going to war, he doesn't go to war uh, without looking at his army and looking at the army. That's, he thinks about it. He considers it. And Jesus says, weigh up. Think about these things. Think deeply. The word 
needs to take root. And that doesn't happen without some brokenness taking place in us. Have I really felt my need of a savior? Because that's what it's about. Have I realized, if this is about the kingdom of God, have I realized there's a kingdom that I'm on the outside of and somehow I need to get inside that kingdom instead of being where I am? And what's stopping me? What's the barriers? What's... Have I thought about this deeply and considered it? Or have I just thought, this is great. This is fantastic. Lovely folks. Nice atmosphere. Drink, biscuits. Well, what could you want? It's, it's great. And it is good. Those are good things. I'm not... You know, those are good things. Those are nice things. It's great to be part of that. But Jesus said, sooner or later, trouble or persecution because of the word will come. Relatives, friends, colleagues, just the general opposition of an unbelieving world comes along. And what looked like a promising start from an excited individual just evaporates and it's gone. And then there's some seed that falls in ground where there is soil enough for it to grow, but there are thorns there growing, and the seed is choked, doesn't mature, it doesn't produce uh, fruit. In one way, for me personally, this is kind of the saddest and most challenging part of the parable, really. These aren't hard, unresponsive hearts. These aren't shallow, unthinking hearts. These are people who think about this and think there's something in this. There's something in this. I, I want to be involved in this. I want to know what this is about. They're really interested. They try to take it seriously. They show signs of faith, but gradually other things choke out what appeared to be growing and bringing life. And so the word is unfruitful. Jesus said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. How sad that what appears to be genuine desire and interest in spiritual things can be choked so that it disappears. If you have even the slightest inclination, if, if you're not, we might be sat there thinking, when's he going to finish? And I, I don't mind if that's true. As long as one little bit of it is, is making some impact. And if that's true, yeah, if that, I promise I'll finish as quick as I can. But if it's true, but that there's some interest, there's some impact, there's some desire there, protect it. Protect it. Do everything you can. Watch where you go. Watch what you do. Watch what you get involved in. Be with the right people. Yeah? Look after it because it's the most precious thing that's going on in your life at the moment. So watch out for it because the endless worries and concerns of life that we all experience on a daily basis at one level or another. The lie that if only we had the wealth that others have or could hold on to what we have, we would be happy. Or just the constant attraction of other things. And I don't mean bad things. I just mean the other things that there are in life to do that can fill and clutter and they promise pleasure, they promise fulfillment. And to some extent, they give it on a certain level. They really do. But they choke out, choke out the life. Uh, and if there's no fruit, there's no life. Yeah, no fruit, 
no life in the first place. The good soil represents a changed heart or perhaps a prepared heart. Some seed falls on good soil, it produces increase. This refers, Jesus said, to those who hear the word, accept it, and it produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Later on in Mark, we'll see what happens when God comes looking for fruit, because he does. God comes looking for fruit. He comes looking for signs of the professed life. Yeah, We profess faith. God comes looking for signs of that faith. He does it with the temple. He does it at Jerusalem. We'll see what happens later on. <coughs> lives of worship, lives of fellowship, lives of service, reflecting his goodness and his greatness. If that's going to happen, then as Jesus said, we must hear the word. The good soil are those who hear the word. So we need to hear it, first of all. There's a message to encounter and to deal with. We need to think about this message. And we need to think, do I accept that? Do I believe that? Do I understand that? We need to think about it. Jesus says they hear the word, they accept it. You notice it's not enough just not to reject it. It's not enough to just not reject it. You have to accept this message. You have to accept this word. It has to be applied and get into your life and begin to be lived out. There's a really helpful way of talking about how people come to faith. And I know we've talked about it before, so forgive me for just mentioning it again briefly. Believing, belonging, behavior. People talk about those three things. We've done this before, haven't we? Yeah? Believing, belonging, behavior. Yeah, those, those are the kind of ways that people come to faith. And it doesn't matter what order they come in. Yeah? Some people, somewhere, somebody tells them about, uh, about the cross, somebody tells them about Jesus, somebody tells them about the kingdom of God, about forgiveness, about how their lives can be changed. And they say, can, can I believe that? Yes, you can. They pray with them, they believe, yeah? And then they come along and they start coming to church and they begin to belong and their lives begin to change. Believing, belonging, behavior, yeah? Other people start coming to church and, and are interested and come along for a while so they belong. And then they believe their behavior changes. Some people hear the message and they start to think about it, stop doing some things, start, so their behavior changes first. Are you with me? doesn't matter what order this comes in, believing, belonging, behavior, whichever order you want, as long as all three are there. doesn't matter what order, as long as all three are there. Two is not enough. Belonging and behavior changing is not enough. There must be believing as well. There's a great book which I would recommend to you called Pilgrim's Progress if you've never met, uh, read it. You can get it in all sorts of modern versions, but it's a great, great story. And it was written by a man called John Bunyan when he was in prison, 1600 and something for preaching. He wrote this allegory. He wrote it as a dream. He wrote this story about a man called Christian who sets off on his journey of faith. It's a fantastic story. Uh, Christian starts his journey. He's got a heavy weight on his back, a huge, carrying a huge weight of his sin and his, uh, his guilt and his, this weight that he's carrying. He starts his journey where he should do, at the gate. He comes in at the gate onto this pathway, and the pathway is walled on either side. Can I just read the beginning of the story to you? Yeah? Well, three people. All right, okay. Here, 
Well, it's not quite the beginning, but it's, it's the important bit. Now, I saw in my dream <clears throat> that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. That wall was called salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place, somewhat ascending. And upon that place stood a cross, and a little below in the bottom a sepulchre. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble. And so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in, and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then he stood a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked, therefore, and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks. And then he sets off on this path that's walled, this road of salvation. And he meets lots of other characters. He meets simple and sloth and presumption. And he has a conversation with them and he finds it quite troubling. Simple, sloth and presumption. Uh, he, he's worried about it. And we read, And as he was troubled thereabout, he espied two men come tumbling over the wall on the left hand of the narrow way. And they made up a pace to him. The name of the one was formalist and the name of the other hypocrisy. So as I said, they drew up unto him and thus entered with, and he thus entered with them into discourse. Christian said, gentlemen, whence came you and whither go you? Formalist and hypocrisy, we were born in the land of vainglory and we're going for praise to Mount Zion. Christian said, why came you not in at the gate that stands at the beginning of the way? And they said that to go to the gate for entrance was by all their countrymen counted too far about and that therefore their usual way was to make a shortcut of it and to climb over the wall as they had done. Believing, belonging, behavior. Yeah, they, they were happy with belonging and behavior. Yeah, and as the conversation goes on, they, they kind of say to him, well, I'll read it to you, just this little bit, yeah? If we get into the way, what matter is it which way we get in? If we're in, we're in, they say to him, yeah? You look after yourself, they say to Christian. We're okay. We're in as much as you are. What does it matter? Yeah? Believing, belonging, behaving. Yeah. Jesus says that are those in whom the word comes to life, produces fruit and increase. So which one am I? This must be the question that I need to ask myself in the response to this teaching from Jesus. Did you notice the very first word he said at the beginning of the story? He said, listen, listen. And then he said at the end, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He wants us to get this. He wants us to get it. If my response to and reception of the word 
is determined by the condition of my heart, then I need to stop and think, don't I? Is my heart hard and unresponsive? All those issues of life that, have, that I've encountered, all those things that have an effect on me and have affected me, all the hurt and the disappointment and everything else, has it made me so that this message just bounces off and has no effect? Is my heart shallow? Yeah? Am I saying, yeah, yeah, well, right, that's great, fantastic, amazing, yeah, oh, I think it's wonderful, I'm with you. Or without stopping to think and consider it. Or am I somebody who has heard and is interested and is going along, but I can feel the choking hands of other things around the throat of my faith? Or has my heart been changed? Has God come in the power of his Holy Spirit, and changed my heart so that it is receptive to his word. We need to think, don't we? We need rescuing from forces that are too powerful for us to overcome. That's one of the implications of this for me, is that we need rescuing from forces that are too powerful for us to overcome. People listen, and they say no, thinking it's their choice, it's their opinion, it's their free will. New Testament makes it clear there are spiritual forces at work wanting to deceive, wanting to rob, wanting to keep us out of the kingdom, wanting to keep us from encountering this truth that Jesus presents us with here. So we need rescuing from forces that are too powerful for us. We need to be aware of only going so far and then stopping short of the real thing. There is only one category in this story that represents the true believer. There's only one category that represents those who have truly entered the kingdom of God, and that's the good soil. Yeah? The hard hearts, the, uh, the shallow hearts, the cluttered hearts are those who may have looked as if, but they, they never got there. They only went so far. That's the point of this parable. It's possible to go so far along the way and yet fall short of really coming into God's kingdom and coming under his rule. One of my favorite authors um, said this. I've not got an actual quote, but he, he said this. And I just found it so uh, intense for me anyway. He said we can be content, we can reach a point where we're content because we know things we didn't know before and our lives have changed a little. That can be enough for us, yeah? We get involved, we learn things we didn't know before, we think, that's great, that's really interesting. And in fact, it's made a difference. You know, I've changed quite a bit, made a real difference, and we can stop there. We need to avoid stopping short of coming to know God and entering his kingdom, truly. We have the offer and opportunity of being part of God's kingdom right now. It's here now. God's kingdom is in operation right now. Jesus brought it through his life, death, and resurrection. He instigated it and started it. And through his word, the seed of his word, it now comes and grows in the lives of those who hear and accept. We can know the reality 
of bearing fruit and being possessed by the life of God. Let me finish with some words from Peter. Peter talks about uh, being born again and the way that happens. He says this, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And then he quotes, um, All men are like grass, all the glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The living, powerful word of God. This is the word that has been preached to you. Not as well as I would like to have preached it, but it has been preached to you. The living, powerful word of God. Let's pray together to finish. I wonder as we pray, if you would just pray for yourself, just quietly. Just pray for yourself. Just take a moment to think, where, where am I up to? What effect is this word having in me? And why not just ask God, by his powerful spirit, to come and change your heart, change your mind, so that his word can grow in you. Pray that you'll do that, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name.